Hello and welcome to the Creative Coding Podcast Holiday Special 2016. Yay, it's Christmas. And we are your hosts. What? We we are your hosts. Yeah, we are. Sorry, I was going to do the It's Christmas, you know, from Slate. Come in. Or is that from Wizard? It's from Slade. Okay. It's Christmas! <laughs> it really is Christmas. Are you feeling festive? Yeah, because I've just, I fit, I did my last day of work for the year yesterday. And oh. then, well, this morning I went trampolining and I had a really good time, but now I've got a horrible migraine. Are you so, seasick? No, I think I've like dislodged <laughs> a, a brain cell or hemisphere. Oh, don't you need those? Yeah, I think you do. <laughs> Need those in the right place. We should yeah. introduce ourselves. Yes. I'm Seb Lee Delisle. I'm Ian Lobb. Yay. And this is the Creative Coding Podcast. This is like the most upbeat episode we've ever done. I'm just going to keep this positivity going. It's the most upbeat episode of 2016. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a bit a big year. We're not really going to do a review of the year because that requires too much like pre, pre-planning. <laughs> but I mean... <laughs> We can say that this is the year that the, we brought back the podcast, isn't it? That is true, actually, what, yes. What month was that? Did we do that? It was February, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Okay, it was way back so. then. Could find I mean, out. and it's been really good, actually, to do the podcast again. It's been... I bet, I bet it wasn't even this year now. I bet it was last year. <laughs> no, it was definitely this year. Let's have a look. I'm on patreon.com forward slash creative coding which is where all our wonderful patrons live. Does it say cre- date created? It will do if I go back far enough. I'm just going back. I mean, there's been loads this year. We must have done like about 50 or something. But the first one of this new season was in February, February the 16th. And that was episode 44. And now we are on episode 72. Okay, so 44, that's 28, is it? 72 minus 44. Yeah. We should be better at maths. Yeah, so it's 28. It's 28. It's 28 <laughs> episodes there. Come on. That's why they invented computers. When you do maths in your head, do you have yeah. like, do you picture shapes and things? Um, I see the numbers, actually. You do? I don't think about shapes. I I think that I I imagine like columns filling up and things like that. Oh, I see. Right? Good. It's the proper good way of doing it, isn't it? I think so. And I think, have you, do you know that in like other, um, like cultures and traditions, they have different ways of teaching maths. I mean, a lot of it's starting to actually come over to the West now, but like in, um, in like China, they teach maths in a completely different way. That's actually much better. Really? <laughs> it's your brain more. Yeah. Hmm. Um, there's a thing where you can do multiplication on a grid and things like that. What? And it's actually way easier. Hmm. There's, um, I wish I could remember their name. There's a really uh also mathematician who like explains things yeah she does like videos have you seen her stuff she explains like what tau is and why pi is wrong and tau is right and things like that um is oh what's her name she ended up working at um the khan academy is that the one yeah the, it could be the youtube young woman and she's uh-huh. really cool and she does wimp like music and stuff she does oh, does she? okay we need to um, do more research but also you know my friend Matt has a very popular channel on YouTube called Stand Up Maths. Is that the guy who was part, uh, who I saw at the Spoken Nerd thing? Yep. And, uh, well, he's done loads of videos with Numberphile. 
which has right, like yes. 2 million subscribers or something. Right. But he's got his own YouTube channel as well, which has got about 200,000 or something. It's amazing. Like he'll put a video up and by the time I click on the link, there's like 50,000 views. It's what? Maths is something which like everyone studies when they're young and then you finish school or university and mm. you never like study it again. But you some, yeah. you know, some people use it more than others. But well, Some people do it just for fun. <laughs> right. That's And I think that's why the stand up maths and number file cha- channels are so popular because people yeah. are just really geeking out over maths. I mean, maths definitely isn't boring, is it? Maths is, like, really interesting. Yeah, for but sure. It's, but it's hard, I guess. Like, I don't yeah. find maths that easy, but I do find it interesting, and I guess that often counts for more. I did a big Twitter poll recently, and I had about oh, 200 yeah. responses about whether talent exists. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> i think you were on the losing side actually now that i remember because it's a complicated question it's a, it? such a complicated question i think ultimately talent does exist but if you really mm. want to do something you shouldn't like write it off because you don't think you're talented yeah absolutely and and you know it's funny because i have a slide in my talks right that... <laughs> <laughs> they're basically in big like, this is when i when i semi-ironically give people advice in my talk right right because people often ask for advice and so i have to comply with that request right <laughs> but i don't really think i should be giving advice anyway one of my slides is in big letters there is no such thing as natural talent and i think i replied that to your tweet you right did. a picture of me with that slide <laughs> and the reason i say that is because I don't want anyone to think that they're not talented because it's hard. Mm. Yeah. Right? Because I think even people that are very good still find it hard. Yeah. And I guess the people that are good are the people that don't give up, right? And Yeah. But then I suppose that comes from a position where, you know, for myself, if I work really hard, I know I'm eventually can produce something good you know make something that i think is acceptable and i guess you just have to accept that maybe there are some people that can work just as hard as that or harder and not have any decent results yeah but i don't really (laughs) want to accept that because i think that's a really depressing thought i think but then of course there's other things as well like the amount of disposable time that you have if you've got a family to look after if you have to work all the hours of the day you know, just to make ends meet, whether you were encouraged when you were young. That's something that came up loads and loads. It's like, yeah. if you don't start when you're young, it's like much harder. So you should encourage kids to yeah. get involved with things and do stuff and be confident and yeah. not go. Because there's a massive culture of going, oh, my thing's not very good. I'm not going to yeah. try. I'm obviously not good at this. It puts people off doing sports. It puts people off doing academics. It puts people off doing stuff with computers all the time. Like, especially, you know, like one of the issues that with girls is that, you know, girls all like using technology, but for some reason there's like a drop-off as they get older where they get, you know, start to think that, you know, doing creative things with technology or or like doing things like programming aren't for them. And so, you know, all of this stuff comes from subtle... uh, And not so subtle. (laughs) And not so subtle, like, cultural influences. And, you know, there are natural interests as well. And you can't completely rule that that out. Like, you know, there are a lot more girls who want to be vets. And it's not like... We don't go, "Why why aren't there more boys 
being vets. Do you know what I mean? Like <sighs> people in the tech industry, like it's we have this huge gender problem. Mm. What am I trying to say? There are there are things. There I can't are some we're fields. digging into this subject. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I've got, a, I've got a legitimate point here though, which is that yeah. basically like it's okay to have a bit of a gender skew in certain industries. It's natural, but the but not to the crazy levels it is now. If that makes sense. Oh, dangerous, dangerous ground, really. I mean, why go? But what, like, why not go? Oh, there aren't enough men getting into nursing. I mean, maybe we do say that. Maybe more men should consider nursing as a career. Yeah, sure. Why I not? should stop digging. This is stupid. Yeah, what are you doing? Just get I'm out just of the hole. Thinking out loud. Bad thoughts. No, yeah, stop it. I mean, it's an incredibly <laughs> complex issue, isn't it? And it's societal, and it's upbringing, and it's influ- It's role models. It's every everything. It's- it's all you know, so I, complex. Wow, it's this very is complicated. a heavy, heavy subject to get into on Christmas. Oh, I just can't believe it. Yeah. You messed what, it um, up. Let's talk about other it? things. What were you meant to be talking about? Our years. Oh, yeah. Our years. So what did you do this year? Let's think. So I did some, did some work for clients. Yeah. I carried on working on my own stuff. New Year's resolution for next year is to sort of get more of my own projects out of stealth mode and into... Just start showing stuff because it's there's a problem where once you adopt the stealth mode attitude that I have done over the last few years, which is basically like, I don't want to show things to people if I don't really think it's my best stuff. Yeah. So I'm not going to show anything yeah, that's terrible. until I'm like super happy with it. It's a terrible thing. The problem is it becomes like you're never ready to show anything. Yep. Um, it's kind of like if you're doing some code and... You're like, oh, this is going to be an open source project. And it's like, oh, but I'll, I'll wait till the code's all really good. <laughs> and then I'll put it and then I'll make my GitHub repo public. And you never do. Yeah. <laughs> so my, well, what I try and do is just make all my GitHub repos public. <laughs> so, so that it's kind of there from the beginning. But of course, they're never, they're never good enough. But at least it's there, right? Yeah. That's interesting. I certainly wouldn't go that far, but I mean, mm. in terms of like not even showing little stuff that I'm working on because I just think, oh, it's not, this isn't ready yet. Even to show the like, not even the code, but to show the actual result. Yeah, I put a lot of little clips and photos and stuff on Instagram and Twitter. And classic example of that was the laser gun stuff I was doing over the summer. You know, I was just posting little clips of my research and little things that I'd made. And of course, you know, before it was finished even, and at one point where the laser effect looked really cool, yeah, that was when everyone picked up on it and it yeah. went viral. But it doesn't matter that you'd already posted loads of other stuff that didn't count against it. No, and also the fact that that wasn't a finished project by any stretch at that point. That was just a prototype still. But yeah. that's the thing that got picked up. I think like with me, like what happened was I definitely, when in the flash days, I felt like... I was on top of everything and like I had some expertise like and so I was really confident talking about stuff I knew Flash like completely inside out and then mm. that all sort of Flash went rubbish and then <laughs> I was like okay I have to decide what I want to do and I played with loads of different things and I was like okay I really enjoy doing Unity so that's what I'm going to focus on but Unity there's there's like five times more to know than there was with Flash right so already it's a bigger thing it's a bigger sandbox and I'm starting it from not from scratch because I already knew how to program stuff, which is the hardest part. But it's almost like being a student again, yeah, where you're having to learn things. 
And so I didn't feel as confident and I didn't, that's why I've never like posted Unity tutorials and stuff like I occasionally did with Flash things or I'd post code examples and stuff with Flash. Never really posted that stuff with Unity mm. because I just never felt like, it's not that I did, didn't, don't think I know what I'm doing, but I just didn't feel like I should be the person. But like now I sort of am starting to feel confident enough that like actually I can speak authoritatively about at least some aspects of Unity development, especially things like 2D stuff because I've done probably a lot more of it than a lot of unity devs mm. because most people are doing 3d stuff yeah so and that sort of comes back to the the there was a point about talent that i wanted to make which was that i think that the only reason i can produce anything is because i can recognize when something's good <laughs> right although that means i judge my own work very harshly it also means that i know when i've got to a certain level of quality mm. right and so i think that's probably the same with your work in unity although you're not hyper experienced in that specific technology you're going to keep working on something until it attains that certain production quality yes that you, and because you can recognize it because of your experience yeah but then i think this is also the reason why like in retrospect i think that i could have just posted little experiments and stuff that i did a few years ago like when i was first learning unity yeah and i could have shared that stuff as i did it and people would have found it interesting yeah but i just didn't i didn't want to go from the person who was expert at something to person who looks like they're still figuring stuff out does that make sense yeah and i can totally relate to that because ever since i stopped working in flash i've been working in multiple things mm. all the time so I never really feel like 100% no. Do you not have that feeling just all the time? Like you never... Yeah, absolutely I do. Yeah. <laughs> 100% of the time just feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And it's... In some ways it's really good. But in other ways it's really hard. Mm. You know, like... I've been working in processing the last couple of weeks. And I haven't really worked in processing for a while. Yeah. And just... Oh, the most simplest things. Like every other platform I work in saves when you compile or when you run it yeah it saves it yeah and processing doesn't do it <laughs> it doesn't save it there are reasons for that right so I, i'm not gonna but what, are, what are the reasons i think there's a historical convention mm -hmm. of just typing away in the sketch editor right and just running it without ever saving it right you're just sort of playing around mm -hmm. So I think because of that, you know, if it made you save it before you ran it, then it would always make you save a file. So I think there's that sort of thing of just trying stuff before, and then when you're happy with it, saving it, which is fine. The problem is on a lot of platforms, though, like your app can crash the, the <laughs> environment, right? You know, that's the problem is that my code was crashing. Yeah the app and i lost my work quite a few times that day <laughs> More than once. Yeah. okay fool, fool me once shame on me it does right. save it in a temporary folder but it's not easy to find at right. all no because it's in this other subfolder with like 100 temporary folders in and you're oh. there's, a, there's an increasing number of apps that are trying to get rid of the idea of saving yeah and I, I like it. I've noticed iMovie when I'm doing stuff in that. There's no save button. Yeah. It's just save same all the time. Same as Final Cut Pro. Same as, uh, oh, what else is there? Well, Google Docs is a good one. Google Docs, obviously. You never have to hit save. You just look up and it goes saved. That's like that's such a nice feeling to just look and see that it's saved. And not only that, that you've actually got a version history and a way of stepping back to previous versions. Yeah. Which is probably the one argument against auto-saving is that like, well, what if you 
accidentally broke something and you want to go back to the old version. Yeah, absolutely. But here's a good tip for everyone. <laughs> it's that there is an auto save option in processing. Right. So if you do want it to save before you run it, you can open the preferences text file and there's an auto save option there. Set it to true or yes or whatever it is. And then your file will be saved automatically. Yes. <laughs> but I should say, actually, coming back to processing after a little break, it, they have been doing a lot of work on it. You can really tell the IDE is quite mature and has code hinting and yeah, it's it's nice. Processing 3, it's got some new renderer, optimised stuff. That's cool. So what have you been building with that? I've got a commission for the Science Gallery in Dublin for February. So I'm on quite a tight deadline. And it's called the Mindfulness Machine. Right. They've got an exhibition called Humans Need Not Apply. Right. And it's an AI exhibition. Right. Right. So the idea of my project is that, you know, Artificial intelligence is, will need to chill out just like us, right? So I'm making a, a robot that can colour in. Um, <laughs> oh, is that what you've been messing so, about with plotters and stuff? Yeah, that's right. So I'm using an old plotter from the 80s, a Roland plotter, which I used before to make some prints. So I've been working with how to communicate with that plotter for quite a few years now right um does, but this is really a chance to really do you have to level what, that i mean code what up. sort of interface does that use is that like just a serial some sort of serial link or something yeah yeah there's actually a parallel interface as well right. but i'm using the serial and there is a a language called h uh, hpgl right hewlett packard graphics language right. i think um and it's just text based right based so it would be like a letter or two letters and then a bunch of coordinates for a line or for a move or for changing the pen or setting the velocity there's all these one and two letter commands and there are a few libraries that can produce that stuff there's a very well the most well-known one is called chipotle <laughs> right like chipotle like chipotle chipotle yeah but your plot's late. Really hard to say. So stupid. <laughs> Great name, guy. Yeah, nice job. Uh, <laughs> so lots of people use that for Python. That's the most common one. But a while ago, a few years ago, I found an HPGL library for processing that I've been using ever since. Um, but this what, time... Sorry, what's that acronym? Hewlett Packard Graphics Language. Oh, yeah. sorry. Okay. Yeah. But recently I've been doing more work with OpenCV code and a vector graphics library in processing called Geomerative to be better at well not only drawing lines but also filling them in and stuff like that obviously if i'm doing a coloring in machine i've got to figure out how to color in weird shapes and ideally i'd like to be able to for you to just put any coloring in sheet on the plotter and it sees it in the camera and oh right so you know like the like the grown-up coloring in books yeah. that are so popular now yeah you just you give it to that and you're using OpenCV to which is computer vision yeah to look at the picture and then try and colour in the lines? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably going to have to get rid of that part of it, mostly because they don't have the budget to fly me in right. to calibrate right. it, so I've got to send it all to them in advance. So I think I might just get the plotter to draw its own things to colour in, right? which is not as fun. Can you... Ha if, you wanted it to if you wanted it to draw, like, a photo, yeah, what would you do? Well... It draws vector shapes, right? right? So there's a few ways that you could do that. I mean, it's 
silly. Yeah, a silly idea. <laughs> it's it's silly if you want a realistic looking photograph. Well, not necessarily a realistic one, but just say like if you wanted it to just be able to draw people's Twitter avatars or something when the, if they tweet. Yeah, so it. there's I mean there's definitely there's a few ways you could approach it. So you could get the bitmap and like polygonize it, right? Yeah. You could convert it to a vector, like how Illustrator traces photos into vectors yeah. and draw those shapes. Or you could do other interesting things like you could pointillize it. So you could draw tiny dots, uh, which might be fun. Yeah. I've done that before. I've drawn photographs with each pixel being like a star. Oh, okay. A star that's a different size, so that can produce some interesting effects. And do you have to use special pens, or does it take normal felt tips? It, it does use special pens that are really hard to get hold of. Right. So I've been 3D printing adapters, and I'm just going to be using cheap felt tip pens. Right. Is that because they don't make plotters anymore, and so it's all like, okay, is it like getting Polaroid film? Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, you get them on eBay sometimes. They're really expensive. So they actually not make? Do they not make plotters anymore? That's a really good question. Most of the plotters you see nowadays are used for vinyl cutting. Right. There are a lot of hobby craft plotters as well. Right. So you can get a few small plotters that will do um, vinyl cutting and card cutting, and you can usually put pens on them as well for making, right, for crafting and doing cards and glitter and. <laughs> stuff like that yeah. um those plotters tend to be quite annoying because they often will be completely proprietary mm -hmm. and you'll have to you know you can go onto their website and choose graphics right and so everything's sort of through the website or it's very locked down yeah. and if you want to make it be able to do other things you pay extra for extra graphics and yeah yeah it's pretty nasty right for people like me then of course the 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 industrial vinyl cutters they're bigger and they tend to be on a roll we should do an episode about plotters and drawing machines actually i think that would be i think there's a lot we could go into on that yeah um, i don't know yeah. enough about it i don't know anything about it <laughs> it'd be my episode do you remember um <laughs> Do you remember, is it Daisy Wheel printers? Daisy Wheel, yes. So they've they've got each letter on a different yeah. part of the Basically wheel. Basically like a typewriter. And what, was the, um, what were the golf ball type ones? I don't remember You can get those. ones that are on a sphere as well. There was the, I think they were called Dot golf Matrix ball. printers were hilarious. They had the um, perforated... The things are probably still printed on Dot Matrix printers somewhere, aren't they? I'll tell you where, in blooming car hire places... <laughs> Oh my god, car hire, car rental places that just got such oh, backward what's technology. The, um, what's the really fast form of printing that they used to print airline tickets and stuff? Thermal printers. About five years ago, there was this graphic designer who did a big, I'm redesigning the plane ticket like project, like blog post thing, going, look, this is the thing. And then as soon as you get to the comments, it's like, yeah, we you can't print that small because the printers that used to print air tickets, they, they can't print in multiple colours, they can only print black and they can't... Uh, <laughs> print text that small and so yeah. there's like reasons like why like tickets aren't better designed basically yeah we got the technology now though haven't we to do full color printing i mean if moon pig can do it every <laughs> every plane ticket should be like a moon pig with your face on yeah it. <laughs> that's right you should be able to choose any number of terrible typefaces and colors <laughs> why not and nice flowery backgrounds there, there's a company that um prints your kid's name into the children's book that's been around a while isn't it it's still quite a new thing isn't it 
to yeah. just assume that things can be like everything can be custom. Yeah. I guess scaling it is the problem, isn't it? Yeah. I know almost nothing about this. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, for one thing, it's like most things are made in China, aren't they? And if you want things to be custom, you have to like make them in the country where you are. Yes. Should we talk about my fairy lights yeah, project? Absolutely. I can see it behind you. Are you going to, yeah, why don't you so, tweet out now t- for someone to okay. send it a message? And then we'll see what it says. Okay. Uh, uh, send your messages now. Lights.seb.ly. It's the URL. Let's see what happens. Okay. So um, it was for 24 ways. Do you know 24 ways? No. It's been going for like 10 or 15 years and it's a web design blog i suppose that happens every year 24 posts it's like an advent calendar and it has literally been going for almost as long as the web (laughs) so they usually have lots of clever people doing articles there like blog posts did it used to be like flash demos and things back in the day i think it's no that's something else I think lots of people used to do... There was a thing where agencies and used to do like a, an interactive Christmas card every I've year. I've done so many of those. Do you remember? In the past. Yeah, but like, I don't think that's the sort of thing people bother with anymore, we've is it? Like, I can't. the show before, probably. Check old December editions. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so they asked me to do an article and they were like, can you do something cool with lasers or electronics? And it was actually their idea to do the fairy lights from stranger things so everyone's seen stranger things i don't know well not everyone's seen it well i'll just quickly explain what it is yeah. it's a sci-fi show it's really good oh they're going off message we're just getting a message coming in R R. oh i guess there was an m mary c h r i'm not sure where this is going i s t m a s that's nice isn't it merry christmas christ mass christmas <laughs> there's been some yeah i'll scroll back through the messages when you started going e-r-r it's like error <laughs> yeah that's right yeah. so in stranger things um basically a sort of ghost i won't spoil it has to communicate um <laughs> using fairy lights and then winona rider puts up um some letters so that so that it can communicate like specific messages like a ouija board yeah so each fairy light can be turned on from the alternative whatever it is dimension <laughs> the ghost <laughs> no spoilers the, un- the underneath it's called but yeah. yes oh what's that it one just said f it just said f <laughs> thanks guys someone said boo oh so i was contacted by one of the editors anna debenham who's a really cool web programmer and she suggested doing the stranger things fairy lights and obviously i could do that because i've been doing all the raspberry pi stuff so what i built was uh, some addressable fairy lights connected to a raspberry pi and sets up a WebSocket connection to my server so when you go to my web page you see all the fairy lights in a web page just like it is on the tv show and you can click on each light and i'll see that light lighting up in real time at this end yeah so it's some quite interesting technology definitely check out the article on 24ways.org and my post is the 1st of december 2016 so check that out are the fairy lights just normal fairy lights or did you have to build your own string of fairy lights well normal fairy lights just wouldn't work right because they're not individually addressable are they not i didn't i don't know no so fairy lights are usually 
wired up in serial or parallel so that when you put power through, there's just one circuit goes through oh, all the but lights. But I've got some that like cycle and do effects. And yeah, stuff. but they're usually only four different, three or four different kind of channels. So there'll be three or four okay. that are, are grouped together. So when you put I electricity see. onto one of those channels, every fourth light will light up. So that's how I it does that. They're always see. chasing effects. But with, right. with this project, obviously, you need to be able to control each light individually. Yeah. Which if you were doing, you know, if you were using traditional fairy lights would be really hard <laughs> yep. because you'd need to wire up each fairy light individually. There'd be like 26 separate circuits. Yeah. Like the cable would get really, really thick. Can you imagine like 24 cables going through? I mean, it would just be ridiculous. Right. But it turns out that you can get fairy lights that aren't ordinary fairy lights. They have NeoPixel controllers built into them. So we've probably talked about NeoPixels on this show before because it's what's inside the laser light synths right. my project, my musical project. And so you can get them in strips. Right. And they're called NeoPixels by Adafruit, who sell them in various configurations, like circles and strips and bars. But their real name is WS2812. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is actually the name of the controller trip, the controller chip. Right. So these fairy lights have got multicolor LEDs on every light. And a controller chip. <laughs> right. So there's actually only three wires going between all the, the lights. One is five volts, one is ground, and the other one is like the data. So you can send data down this line and the first chip reads it, gets the first bit of data for that light, and it sends the rest of the data to the next light. Right. So it's exactly the same way that... So does each, does each light have a chip in it? Yes, isn't that crazy that that's how you have to do it? Totally crazy. Well, it's pretty cool, actually, because otherwise it would be a nightmare. Yeah. But that's how the addressable LED strips work, right? Right. It's not as simple as it just appears as a screen that you can, like... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Like, a, It's not like a one-dimensional screen or anything. It's more complicated than that. Like, <laughs> no. do you see what I mean? Like, when you say pixels, it's like, oh, if it's pixels, you just load it like a... You give it like a one-pixel-high gif that's a strip life and it isn't show that it. easy and you could probably <laughs> write a driver for it that was like that yeah but i mean even if you did and under the surface there'd still need to be some sort of system that could deal with that yeah right so that's that's how it works so when you think about the chip now on these on these lights there are little circuit boards inside each light and you can see the chip it's quite big but on the led strips the chip is actually embedded in with the same sort of surface mount LED component. So if you look very closely at a NeoPixel light, there's a tiny little black square in it, and that's the right. chip. Wow. So, so these things can be really, really compact. It's very clever. So that's the first bit. Obviously, we can now we're using those fairy lights. We can control them individually, and they are they all those lights. Although I've got them specific colours. They can do any color. Oh, right. So you can do rainbow, rainbow colors with these. Each each chip has an RGB LED attached to it. So cool. So you could do really complex stuff actually with those. Oh, yeah. In terms of patterns. Yeah. So we're doing something quite simple, really, compared to what we could do. Yeah. So that's the first bit. So we connect that to a Raspberry Pi, 
these are five volts, these LEDs, and the chips require a five volt signal. So these these lights are much better to be controlled with a five volt controller like an Arduino. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's all webby and all done with JavaScript, I'm using a Raspberry Pi and Node.js. Right. But unfortunately, the pins on a Raspberry Pi are 3.3 volts, not five. Right. So you need a little uh, logic level converter to step up the data from 3.3 three to 5. Oh, there's a message coming through. What's it saying? L? I just caught an L. O? Did I miss an H? H A V E Y O U S E N? Have you seen? Seen? What? <laughs> Hello, have you seen May? Apparently it said. Have you seen who? May? May? Who's May? Isn't she the character? Isn't she one of the characters? Maeve, isn't it from um, Stranger Things? There's no May. No, it's Maeve. No, that's in Westworld. Oh, is it? Oh, that is in Westworld. Another <laughs> good show. It's been a good year for TV, though. Hasn't oh it? my god, it's been great for sci-fi. <laughs> Westworld. Oh my god. Did you see the new Star Wars yet? I'm gonna go and see it um, oh, it's next so week. Good. Blew my mind. Amazing. Anyway, that's no spoilers. So where was I? Um, yeah. So. The data line needs a 5-volt signal. The Raspberry Pi does have a 5-volt supply. It's got USB and USB is 5 volts. And actually it's powered on 5 volts. So you can take the power supply directly from the Raspberry Pi to light to power the lights. But the data that comes out of the pins is only over 3.3. So I need a logic level converter. That's a bit boring, but it's fine. It's all explained in the article. So then with Node, you can use, well, there's loads of libraries, but the one I'm using is called WS281X, something like that. It's on NPM. And that will let me set a color for every one of the lights, and that will just send the data or figure out the data format and send it down the line to the light. So it's quite easy for me at my end. I just need to pick a color for every light and send it along. Obviously, there's a limitation in how quickly you can change that. And what do you use on the Raspberry Pi? No, on the Node.js side. Yeah. What do you use? Do you like store the messages? Like what you sort of what do you sort of keep them in? Are they just kept? Okay, so there's there's kind of two separate code bases, right? There's one which is on the server, uh-huh. which is delivering the web page with the interface, and when I click on the lights, it's sending messages to that server. And the other code base is on the Raspberry Pi. So the Raspberry Pi is just a WebSocket client that connects to my server. Mm-hmm. So the server's kind of sending the messages yep. to all the Raspberry Pis that there are. If you open the web page and someone else is sending a message, you can see their mouse moving around, clicking on lights. Yeah, that's clever, isn't it? It was actually the server-side code and the browser client code that was the most difficult to do. Is that the sort of flourish that you just couldn't stop yourself putting in, but actually didn't have to? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but there's a lot of flourishes, particularly in the browser. Yeah. Because the lights, they're all rendered with code. Right. Right. So I've got the image of all the lights and the letters unlit. Yep. But when one lights up, I draw a little light shape with JavaScript and the amount of glow right. changes. So it, they can get brighter and sort of fade out. So it's not an instant on-off. Yeah. It's much more realistic. They sort of fade in and out. Yeah. And they flicker sometimes as well. 
Um, so there's an astonishing amount of code in that. Also, when you transmit the mouse coordinates, I think I'm doing that 10 times a second. And if I were just to, to just move the mouse graphic to that point instantly, it would look quite jerky. Yeah. So I have to put smoothing on that as well. <laughs> you know, there's kind of a lot of code. And because I was expecting a lot of traffic, Yeah. I think 24 ways gets 10, 20,000 hits. So I was expecting my server to get really hit. And it was quite well hit for a while. It certainly wasn't taken down because of the traffic, but it was, you know, there were a good like 20, 30 people there yeah. at once. So I had to make a queuing system. It couldn't just be chaos, everyone sending messages all the time. So you have to <laughs> no. you have to click a, a button and then if there's no one waiting, you can send a message and you've got 30 seconds to click on the lights. And then if there is someone already messaging, you can join a queue and it automatically gives you control when the last person stopped or it will time out and disconnect you if you don't do anything for five seconds. So it's all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's actually really complex. Um, and also other things like I really wanted it to be real time. I could have just let you type in a message, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that would have been way easier. But I felt like I wanted to see how how long someone pushed the letter for mm. and the gaps between words. It just feels much, much more tactile. Yeah, that's the sort of that's what makes it the humanness come through, doesn't it? Where yeah, it's... and often I'll just get people moving their mouse all around the lights, making it flash and look pretty. It's really cool. And some, when I first did it, it was the night before it went live, and I, I just told Remy about it, Remy Sharp, a JavaScript expert who's done a lot of Node stuff. And, of course, he immediately started just hacking it. <laughs> so he hacked my code. It's obviously very easy to change client-side JavaScript. Right. So so he could just send literally anything to my socket server. So that was actually quite good because then I started to do some data verification on the server side. So yeah. if too much data was coming, too many letters or something that was impossible for a human to do or anything that wasn't formatted correctly, I just instantly boot you off now. So that was quite useful. Yeah. Yeah, that's the sort of thing you have to do actually when you're doing online games to because mm. you can never stop people cheating entirely. Yeah. But if you have something where a lot of the code lives on the client, people are going to send crazy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to hack it. It's quite easy. There's so many easy ways to hack it. But you can just do simple things like, is it possible for someone to get this particular score in that space of time? If yeah. it's not, boot them off. Exactly. And that's why it's so important for it to be authoritative server. Mm. And that's something that I've done a bit of in the past. But yeah, this was, it was quite fun. Very complex. This, I mean, the silly thing about a project like this, I guess, is that the lights only appear in your house. Yes. Although, because <laughs> there are full instructions for constructing this yourself. Right. And all the code and everything. It's designed for anyone to make, right? Yeah. And, you know, I've been checking on my server and there's definitely been a handful of people that have got it up and running at home. And there's even one guy that reproduced the entire system on his own server. So, you know, it's out there for people to, to play with. That's awesome. Yeah, I've even put all the Amazon shopping list on there too. All right, okay, so to get all of it. I actually set it up on WebFaction. Do you know them? They're a really good web service provider. No. I really like them, actually. I'm not getting paid to say this, by the way. <laughs> we should be, though. I think there probably is a <laughs> referral code. I don't know. They make it super easy to set up different apps. So all the websites, you know, the podcast website is on there. Yeah, so I could set up a Node app on their service. Usually I use my Linode server mm -hmm. for all the Node stuff I do, but that's a bit of a nightmare because Linode 
they do nothing for you. It's just a server that you need to administrate yourself. Yeah. I'm not a sysadmin, so I've got into all kinds of trouble there before. It's just literally a Linux installation they give you. But Web Faction is a bit more locked down and a bit easier. So this time I set it up there. But the thing I didn't realize was that I'm using Socket.io, a Node.js WebSocket library. Yeah. And if that can't connect through a WebSocket connection, it will fall back to a long pole system, you know. So right. it's sort of like it asks you, it's underneath, it's asking for a web page and my server is giving it some yeah. data. And then it's asking for a web page again. Yeah. So whereas with a socket connection, it just says, give me some stuff and it gives you it straight away and you can just send messages back and forth. So socket IO simulates web sockets with long pulling. If yeah. It can't do a web socket connection. And because I hadn't set up the web faction server properly, the web socket connection wasn't working. So for the first day or something, it was actually using long polling and I didn't even really notice. Right. <laughs> I basically had to set up a new IP address with a, with web faction in there. Are there still problems for doing socket stuff where people have sockets blocked and things like that so they can't use things that use sockets? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but that's why socket IO is quite good because it will just fall back to an alternative method. Yeah. But at least this way, now I've definitely got WebSockets running on my server. At least if you ha can do WebSockets, you can do it. And so it's a lot faster and a lot less latency. And it's, yeah, it works really well. Fantastic. It's been great. So, yeah, if you want to find that out, go to 24ways.org. If you want to send me a message, go to lights.seb.ly. Cool, man. So and um, what are you looking forward to in 2017? Well... Like I said, I've got the mindfulness machine in early February. So that's my deadline there. And I'm doing laser light synths in Aberdeen that same week. So I'm going to be at the Spectra Light Festival. Yeah, I think it's like the first or second week in February. It's going to be cold. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, this year, I mean, I've just been doing loads of kind of shows. <laughs> yeah, so I did a lot of an evening of unnecessary detail. I did a lot of those events. I did my own show, Hacked on Classics. So next year, I hope to do some more of that. I think I want to do some YouTube videos. Mm. I think I need to do a, a YouTube channel. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'd watch your YouTube channel. Oh, well, that's, that's very cool. Would it be all about technology stuff? Yeah, probably retro stuff. Yeah. Probably, and my work. Yeah, I think people would enjoy that. I hope so. Yeah, how about you? Um, So at the moment, I'm working on the design side of a... A VR project so that's just doing the bit that I, I mean I quite enjoy that part of the project is basically where it's all just on paper and you just work out what the idea is and you work out you know you try and think through all the problems that could happen and all of the things you have to solve before anyone has to write any code or design anything or like make any graphics and yeah I quite like being involved in that part because mm. when you get involved in later parts of the project and it's the project's already defined it's too late to go, well, this doesn't work for this reason. So I'm quite enjoying actually like being on the being on the side of just just writing down, okay, it's good, it's like this, it's got these things. And it's a it's a VR project and um yeah, it's quite interesting. So hmm. doing that. Um what's gonna be good in two thousand seventeen? <sighs> Don't know. I, as I mentioned earlier on the show, I just wanna get out of stealth mode. I wanna do I wanna show way more stuff. I've got so much stuff that I've done that I've never shown. And I I guess that's it really. I just wanna like share my stuff more broadcast yeah 
just because I love looking at other people's things, little demos mm. and stuff. I, I find it really interesting yeah. and useful. And so it can really make you appreciate the work more, can't it? It, it can. Like, it's really annoying to work on stuff and never show it because yeah. you never um, only like a lot of the projects I do for clients. Unfortunately, like all, they'll always be in that situation. Like I'm never able to show them. So like at least my own stuff, it's only me. It's only me stopping me from showing it. It's no actual reason. Whereas other stuff is like, actually, I'm not allowed to show that because of NDAs <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But that stuff is, you know, I really want to do that stuff and it's difficult. The sharing. You know, I, I, I really need to document my projects. I need to market my projects. Yeah, but there's only so much time in the day, isn't there as well? <sighs> Yeah, but I know that there have been some projects that I've done, like when they've been a part of a, a residency or something like that, and yeah. I've had to do documentation every week or a blog post or whatever, and I've done it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's it's kind of that discipline, isn't it? So, yeah, I'm really behind on on documentation and marketing stuff. I want to get lots of interviews done for the podcast because I had a really good run where I got about five or six i think done yeah and i think that was really interesting and i had we had lots of good feedback people saying that they really enjoyed them and they liked hearing from sort of other games developers so i just want to carry on with yeah. that as well for the podcast uh-huh should we uh should we need to give our patrons a shout oh do we? of course yeah well, christmas thank you christmas thank you we should do a special episode for them we should yeah we'll do a special christmas episode just for them okay sure <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, we haven't discussed this. But we should. Just no, you're right. We will do that. So check we'll Patreon that. now because that will be on there. Send us your pledge and you will get to hear the very special Christmas episode full of way more interesting stuff than this. It's going to be short, though. Pre-warning. Mini. <laughs> mini <A> podette. <laughs> mini soap. <laughs> a mini podette. Okay, let's have a look at our wonderful patrons. Five dollars or more. Uh, we have... Uh, Chris Garrity, Shane Brown, Casey Farina, Jeff Stargazy Sheen, Rob Shearing, Michael Hazani, Sam HS, Bradley N. Manderscheid, Lorenzo Pirandini, James Med, Chris Spurgeon and Dan Hetz. Thank you so much to our patrons. I've been chatting to Dan Hetz this week on Twitter and on email because he is doing a project with a plotter as well. Right. And he was saying, what, what can I use to do big prints like A1 size? And it just so happens... I've just seen on eBay a version of my plotter, which is about A3, but there's a version on on eBay for £250 that's A1, and it is massive. Are you and Dan in a bidding war for it now? No, I couldn't. I just, I was very tempted to get it, but I just, I said, Dan, buy this plotter, and he did. Cool. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I might have that (laughs) too. (laughs) <laughs> to contend with this year dan does loads of great stuff i follow him on twitter and he he posts so many interesting he's things he's just become a he got the was it future everything have an artist residency type thing i forget what it's called but he's been picked to, to be one of those so he's going to be working with future everything for the well next done, few months dan. which is yeah congrats dan sounds super exciting and if other people have interesting things to share patrons just yeah. tell us what you're up to yeah why not yeah yeah yeah, if you're a patron, we'll 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 do we'll, a shout out yeah. for your projects. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, I like yeah, it. We should have thought of that, yeah. Cool. Well let's wrap this one up. We've got another podet to do after this. <laughs> have a brilliant um Christmas, New Year, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, 
Chris Mucker, Festivus. Festivus. <laughs> Solstice. Saturnalia. Saturnalia, that's the one where your <laughs> Romans get really drunk and... Yeah, I don't know. It's just something I heard once. Yeah. Yes, have a brilliant break, but happy Christmas from us. Bye. Happy holidays. Happy non-denominational winter celebration. For me, like, I was thinking the other day about how we have this big thing in winter, like the most wonderful time of the year, right? The happiest time of the yes. year. And we put it right in the middle of the actually the most horrible, darkest, yeah. coldest part. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Um, it's the worst part of the year. And that's sort of the point, isn't it? The, yeah, it's totally the point the of point. the holidays is to cheer yourself up. Cheer us up. Get all cosy. Yeah, exactly. Eat loads of food. Yeah, God, otherwise... I mean, we need something the end of this year, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Good luck in 70, 2017. Yes, thanks for supporting us. <laughs> and if you want to hear our special patron-only episode... Uh, patreon.com slash creative coding yeah subscribe to uh yeah i guess pledge two dollars or more yes two dollars or more that's the one that unlocks episodes early for the extras excellent well thanks everyone for listening and have a brilliant holiday and we'll see you next year bye, bye.